Have you ever wondered what librarians really do all day? Why does a person choose to become a librarian? Learn the answers to these questions and more on Library Life. My name is Lisa. I'm a youth librarian at the Westerville Public Library. We'll go behind the scenes and talk to librarians to see what they do to make all of that library magic happen. I'm your guide through the looking glass. So close your eyes, open your ears, and listen. Hi everyone, this is Lisa, one of your librarians here at the Westerville Library, and welcome back to Library Life. Today's episode is starring card catalogs. So some of you may or may not know what that is, but Max, my coworker, is back to discuss them with me. You want to say hello, Max? Hello. So we're going to dive right into the questions. Max, can you describe what a card catalog is for those who have no idea? Okay, so a card catalog is a very large storage unit, basically. Imagine like a big chest or, or bookcase sort of thing that has probably about 50, sometimes depending on how big it was, 100 or more little tiny drawers, like small drawers. They're probably like index card size drawers. And inside of each of these drawers, there were thousands of little cards that were, again, index card size, and they had all the information on them for every book in the library. And you would use this to look up the books when you needed to find something. For those of you who have never seen one, or, you know, it was a long time ago, nowadays you probably would see one as like an artsy unit in somebody's yeah. house or in, you know, a building. But they were actually used for, you know, cataloging, finding things in the library. Yep. We actually have one still in our library. Uh, if anybody who has been inside the library and goes up to adult services where our seed library is, the seed library is actually kept. It's a very small version of a card catalog cupboard, but it, it is an old card catalog cupboard, what our seed library is currently kept in. I personally think they're very beautiful, mm-hmm. though that might just be the book lover and me being nostalgic <laughs> from when I was a child. They 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 were usually made of wood and they were they were made very well because they had to be able to hold all this information and be used constantly by people pulling the drawers in and out. So they were usually like very well made and some of them are quite beautiful, made out of very very nice woods. Mm-hmm. And so why don't we use card catalogs anymore? Well, we have computers now! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> One of the big reasons I think that the switch from card catalogs to computers came was mainly because you could cross-reference things much more easily, and it was much more easy to search for things. So, you know, previously, if you wanted to find out books about, say, dinosaurs, you would go into the card catalog and you would look, you'd have to alphabetically know, you know, where dinosaurs would be in, in the alphabet if you wanted fiction books. And so you would find a card that said something about dinosaurs and then it would list like a number of different other places in the card catalog that you could look. For example, it would give you like the the nonfiction Dewey number for dinosaurs, which I think is like five, five 560s or something like that. And you would have to go to the drawer that had the nonfiction drawer that had the, you know, the 560s in it. And then you'd have to search and find the exact card that it sent you to. And then that would then give you a bunch of cards with a bunch of different book titles and authors. And you would kind of look through those. And there's usually a, a, 
very brief synopsis on each card of what the book specifically talks about. So like this book is just about T-Rexes or this book is about all dinosaurs or this book is about blue dinosaurs, you know, and then you would have to use that card to go find the book on the shelves. And that could get very tedious. You could very easily make mistakes. If you couldn't spell very well, you had problems. If you didn't really understand how the Dewey Decimal System worked, it could be very confusing and overwhelming. You really had to get the librarians to help you with that a lot of the times if you wanted to find things like that. And so moving to computers obviously made that much easier because you could look up, you know, dinosaurs and you can get a whole list of books all over the library all at the same time. You didn't have to go searching from one drawer to another drawer to another drawer, asking librarians for help to try and find those books that you were looking for. Instead, the computer can just tell you where they all are all at the same time. Much quicker. <laughs> yes. You know, I'm not a cataloger, but I imagine the people that were actually creating the catalog cards to put in the card catalog, I imagine that took so much longer than just typing it out and putting it in, like the record in a computer. Truthfully, I, you know, I, I was very lucky as a child, the elementary school that I had, we had a, an amazing school librarian. And so when we were in like first and second grade, around the time that you first really started learning to read and go and finding your own books and everything, she actually, they, the school actually had her teach us how to make our own cards in the card catalog. So we learned the basics of cataloging, basically, you know, like this is, you would put, it's been a very long time, but you would put, you know, a certain like a genre title here you, you had your subject and you had your author and you had your publication date and then you had your synopsis and then you know you might have I mean we would call them keywords now the hashtags but uh, you know the subjects that like see also this subject and the subject and the subject so like if you're looking for dinosaurs see also prehistoric or Jurassic or you know stuff like that and mm -hmm. You know, we learned how to do that. And when we were in fourth grade, we actually, you know, had to do a research project where they had us use the card catalog to do it. So they really, you know, at least at my, my elementary school, I know I was very lucky. They took us through all those basics and showed us how to do it. And then at the library now where we work, you know, I have worked in the collections department. I have learned how they do cataloging to some extent. And yeah, right now, it's a lot more complex. There's a lot more information that you're entering in the computer than you used to put on a card in a card catalog. They were a lot more basic and very uh, simple, at least on the front end, on the on the end where the where the patron was looking. On on the back end, they got a bit more complex. But luckily nowadays with the computer, you do have all that information. But if it's a book that's like not a brand new book that's never been touched before by any human hands, they can copy paste from other librarians who've already cataloged it. So, you know, it's just like a click of the button, like, okay, this is the copy I have. This is the year it was published. This is the publisher. Oh, that's our copy right there. Let's just copy paste that, that catalog right over to our catalog. One of the previous library lives, I talked to Donna and Sarah, some mm -hmm. of our catalogers, yeah. and they talked about, you know, importing stuff from OCLC. Yep, yep, from the big databases, yep. So what do you remember kind of about the transition from card catalogs to computers? You talked about kind of being in elementary school when that was kind of going on. Yeah, so actually I was in high school. I was a, a page at my local library when our library, when our local library started the transition from card catalog to, to like a, an online catalog or a computer catalog. It wasn't online. 
because they didn't use really use the internet then. It was like this special program that was, you know, on the computer that had all of the, the records uploaded into it and they had to update it constantly whenever they bought new items. Ours was a fairly small library. I mean, probably about half the size of the Westerville library. And uh, the way that they started the transition was is that we still had the big card catalogs out in the middle of the floor where everybody could reach them near the reference desks. But then they had the computers on top of those card catalogs so that the people who wanted to still use the card catalogs because that's what they were familiar with could. And anybody who was slightly more familiar with computers could kind of try to use the computer to find things or they could try to use both and see where the differences were so it just became slowly as they as they began to barcode everything on the shelves uh, and enter it into the computer catalog eventually once everything was barcoded they still had both the computers and the card catalogs up there at the same time more as kind of a, a backup in case something happened to the computers because this was the mid to late 90s so they were not always, you know, gonna stay up, like, you know, the, the, the programs would crash frequently and things like that. You know, you didn't have some of the some of the good programming that you have now. But I believe even after everything was done and they'd already cataloged everything and they'd had the computers up for a couple of years, they still kept the card catalogs kind of there for a, a few years just as a backup, especially for the librarians, because the librarians after a while were the ones who still knew how to use the card catalogs. And so they could mm -hmm. use that as a backup when something happened. But eventually they just started slowly disappearing until the point that I could, I would only find them really in university libraries. And then by the time I was out of college, our university library didn't have a card catalog anymore. Yeah, I don't remember really using a card catalog, at least when growing up, but I do remember that the Columbus Metropolitan branch, at least I went to the Reynoldsburg branch growing up, mm -hmm. you know, they had computers, but I remember the card catalog, like the physical piece of furniture being there. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember using it. I also remember, I want to say when I was in college, the Columbus Metropolitan kind of going to like a cloud kind of catalog oh, yeah. where like... Mm -hmm. Where, like, you know, it'd be like, you can see what other people, like, most people, you know, you'd search animals, and then it would show you, like, all the animal books, or all of the things, search terms related to animals. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, man, that's super cool. And nowadays, you're like, man, that's way too much information. We need to narrow it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, kind of like you mentioned, nowadays, other than maybe, like, we use, you know, for the seed catalog, or the seed library, mm -hmm. libraries don't really have those fixtures anymore. Oh. What happened to all of them? You said big sturdy pieces of furniture. Yeah, they were. I think I think a lot of libraries, you know, kind of put them in the basement until they ran out of room because they did take up a, a lot of room. Like some libraries, some of the bigger libraries that, you know, it could take up a whole room and that could be a room that could have, you know, tables and chairs and study areas or more books, um, movies, things like that. So it was getting to the point where because they were such sturdy pieces of furniture and so so well made, I mean, like you didn't want to throw them out. So what was happening was is that like maintenance guys or caretakers or just even some of the librarians that were willing to take these pieces of furniture, they were just kind of letting people take them. Or some libraries, I think, did like sell them, you know, or donate them to museums or to other institutions that might be able to use them. Nowadays, if you if you go and search for like a card catalog on Google and look, you'll see that like people are selling them on eBay for 
thousands of dollars because I mean they're some of them are very beautiful and they can be really neat things to keep your own collections inside of you know you can organize your rock collection or something like that a lot of actually a lot of natural science museums do still use the card catalogs but they use them for storage rather than for card catalogs like they'd have okay this is our collection of you know this is all of our beetles and we have them all the different types in alphabetical order and they're inside little boxes inside each of these little drawers you know because they they're still very useful pieces of furniture (laughs) right I mean, nowadays, you know, if you were to organize your stuff, a lot of times things come in plastic, mm-hmm. and definitely that would be way more sturdy to house a collection of small pieces of whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes, I mean, it depends because with museums, you know, you have a lot of climate control and humidity control and things like that, and and the wood can be a little bit different than holding something in plastic. There's also the you don't have sometimes the worries of like chemical contaminations, um, mm-hmm. which is why a lot of stores materials like museum quality storage materials are actually just acid-free paper like they don't they don't use plastic for for museum quality storage very often at all which is why a lot of these card catalogs are actually very useful for them yes i know uh, as a librarian or really just a lover of books i would love to have a card catalog oh i know (laughs) i mean not a giant one but yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and actually really interesting the cards themselves because, you know, people don't really, you don't need them anymore. I have seen some people who take them and turn the cards from the card catalogs into artwork. Actually, our assistant director, Kristen, has in her office, she has quite a few of them where somebody took a card from a card catalog and then drew something or painted something on it that matched the subject of what the card was for, and then like put a magnet on it or uh, laminated it and made it a piece of art. And they're actually really cool to look at, like how people have used even just reused even the cards because they were, I mean, they were pretty heavy card stock. They were, you know, had to go through thousands of people touching them almost every day, you know? That's cool. I'm going to have to go up to Kristen's office and look because I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she's got some cool ones. She used to have them all over her office when she was downstairs, you know, because she had them all on magnet. That's super cool. All right. Well, anything else you want to share about card catalogs in the library? Just really interesting to look at how the way that we hold information has changed, you know, how we went from the 1800s. They just made lists like they would write down a list of everything that they had and then you would kind of check the list to see if they had something that would be useful and then we went to kind of the card catalogs and the Dewey Decimal System and then and now we're on computers and then we went from like computer like would have been almost like you know like the Microsoft database to like a cloud database Mm -hmm. you know so that you can connect it on the internet and can and can access it literally anywhere because even when I was when I was a teenager like the library had a card catalog and they had kind of a website but you couldn't access the catalog from the website because they didn't the cloud didn't exist right you know so it's just it's fascinating to see how how it's changed over centuries and where it might go in the future. You know, interesting to consider. Access to information is, uh, you know, that's what libraries are all about in the, the process of change and how to make it easier. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we end every episode of Library Life with a book recommendation. So what book would you like to share with us today? I would like to share my favorite book. My absolute favorite book actually is Watership Down by Richard Adams. Have you ever read Watership Down, Lisa? I have. It's so sad. (laughs) 
it is it's but it's also so very very good i mean it's just it's like you get to the end and the end is kind of a happy sad yeah Mm -hmm. for those listening who may have seen you know like the the netflix miniseries that was horrible don't pay attention to that Uh, or were traumatized by the cartoon movie in like the 70s and 80s you know That one's a bit closer to how it is, but it's still a little, a little bit off. But no, it's, a, I mean, it's a great adventure story and rabbits, you know, trying to find a home and making their own place in the world and using their wits and their, their empathy, mm-hmm. you know, how they're, how they're slightly different from some of the other rabbits they meet and things like that. It's just, it's, I mean, it's a coming of age story, really, you know, it's just, it's such a good book and I reread it all the time. <laughs> Yeah, I've actually never seen any of the movies, so <laughs> I'll tell myself I'm lucky. <laughs> yeah, well, the 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 one cartoon version that was done in in like the 70s and 80s was actually very well done, and they did a really interesting job in differentiating between the main storyline and then any of the the myths and tales that are told throughout the story of you know like of of the rabbit. Um, right heroes and things and it's it's very it's actually very pretty but i mean it's it's a little traumatizing for any small children who might have watched it thinking oh it's a cartoon yes it is not a little kid's book it is not a kid's book no teenagers yes (laughs) yeah that is a good book i i definitely think it's one everyone should read even though it is it is a little sad yeah it is all right. Well, thank you for your recommendation and your time and your knowledge about card catalogs. I think that they are definitely a piece of library history that everyone should know about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was always interesting. I mean, it makes me feel old because I'm showing my age a little bit, you know. <laughs> but uh, worked, I've worked with people at our library who were who were younger than me, who had had no idea what a card catalog was. They'd never seen one before. I had to look it up on Google and show them what it was because they were young enough that their libraries didn't have card catalogs anymore by the time they were old enough to start using it. So mm-hmm. it's something you should know about. It, it's an important part of, you know, of library history. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for your time. And thank you all for listening to this episode of Library Life. We'll be back in the future with more to share. Bye. Bye.